Welcome to the Eat Me, Drink Me podcast. I'm Mariah. And I'm Maddie. We're two very different sisters bonding over a common interest in food with a drink at hand. Join us as we pick a topic, create a fun drink pairing with it, and talk about its history, nutrition content, and share some yummy recipes. So, what's today's topic? Bananas. So you chose something that you're allergic to to research. And I hate. Okay. I picked this topic like a year ago before I knew I was allergic. And I, yeah, I just hate bananas so much. But they're freaking fascinating. This is actually the episode that kind of um, made me want to start podcasting or the topic that made me want to start podcasting about all of this stuff because it is wild. So I do know that like bananas have a weird history and they've, they've been along for so long, but I do think that's interesting that something that you don't really like, you were so fascinated on because most of the time people try to drift away from things that they don't care about or like. Yeah. Let's see how so, long it takes us to do an onion recipe. I mean, not onion recipe, but onion episode. Um, I will do that in a heartbeat. You know, I love onions. I eat. Yeah. I all of my meals probably have onions in them. So, well, since you were allergic, I got to have the um, fun task of making a drink pairing for this one. So, uh, what's our what's our drink pairing for bananas? So, you know, because it's winter time, I decided to make a frozen drink. Um, oh, sounds very intuitive. <laughs> it's not quite cold enough here, so it's not too bad. Um, what I made was called the dirty banana cocktail. Why would you even? think that sounds good though because it actually does sound really good just the so, name doesn't sound appetizing no not the like name somebody but dropped a banana in dirt what's in it is good um so you start off with an ounce and a half of banana liqueur um i did a little bit extra of the banana just to get a little kick of it an ounce and a half of coffee liqueur so i use some kalua and then you get an ounce of dark rum but I have some of that dark chocolate rum left over. So I figured what is better than bananas and chocolate? So I use that instead. I like a bomb pop. I literally made a bomb pop drink. I'm very happy. You add a little bit of milk into it. You put a frozen banana in it as well. You're supposed to add ice. I didn't add ice because I didn't really want mine separating and I wanted to see how it tasted. And then you blend it all up together. It does not taste boozy, and I have a chocolate smoothie milkshake that I'm drinking. Tastes like bananas. I find it tasty. I've drank a little bit too Good. much of it already because it... Yeah, I you're am on drinking, your second one. <laughs> it's a milkshake. I am drinking a milkshake. So once this is done, I do have a banana bread beer as well to drink. So, what kind? Um, it is from Eagle Brewery. It is the only banana beer that I saw when I was there so we're at total wine yeah I went to total wine I was a little annoyed because I found quite a few more pumpkin beers this time but whatever <laughs> well um I went upstairs to just grab myself a really simple drink of uh peach seltzer water with triple sec in it because that's a go-to it's delicious and then on a whim I just decided to make myself an amaretto sour <laughs> didn't hey, measure anything just juiced pretty much a whole lemon, made some simple syrup real quick, threw some in there, and uh, a few glugs of amaretto and some ice. <laughs> All right, so anyway, let's get down to the history. So like I said, I know that there's a lot to bananas. 
Yeah, so much. In fact, that I am giving a very abbreviated version. Um, it's insane. And we'll kind of get into parts of it later and what parts we're going to expand on in future episodes. But it's it's a lot. Not to be silly, like I know that there's a lot of banana, but I was kind of the same way with like how you were with pumpkins. Like, what are you going to tell me about a banana? So. Oh, yeah. No, I am like so excited because. Oh, when you told me how much research you had, I was like, wait, we're talking about bananas, right? Yeah, I had to cut some stuff out and cut some stuff down. And like, I mean, it's it's a lot. So, okay, about a year and a half ago, I met somebody um, and she, I was just telling her how, you know, I really like food history and I don't know how this type of topic comes up because that's nerdy as fuck, but um, you meet somebody and you click and you have a weird <laughs> conversation. And the first thing she said to me was, oh, have you heard of the banana plagues? And I was like, excuse me, what? <laughs> so I made a note in my phone and I didn't look at it for like another six months. And then I did almost all of this research probably about a year ago. I had to go back today and just kind of like review it and refamiliarize myself and expand. I love food. And how did I not know that there was a plague associated to bananas? Yep. We'll get to it. Well, because nobody cares where their food comes from. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but like whenever you think about these things, it just really creates a more mindfulness around your food and just thinking oh, about the whole sure. process and just like. It's really Growing interesting. my own food already in class, like yeah. seeing how it comes about and like the process and to know like, hey, somebody sent you this and they had to make sure it was still going to be good by the time they got to you overseas. Like that is not something people think about anymore. Right. So, yeah. Okay. Dive in. I need to know about banana plague. <laughs> so um, bananas are a fruit known for being very sweet and packed full of potassium. What? I just have a question. I'm sorry. I don't mean to interrupt <laughs> already. Like, What's that face? I'm just thinking about like whenever you're in middle school and you're like, oh, I have a leg cramp. And they're like, go eat a banana. Well, it's the potassium. Because of the I, potassium. No. Okay. I'll let you continue. And if you don't reach it, I'll, I'll <laughs> What's the question? Maybe I'll tell you. We'll get to it. Did you know that bananas are not actually like, they're, they're berries? We'll get to it. Okay, that's what I was asking. Sorry, I've learned I mean, a lot of... Actually, that's literally just one of my sentences, is that the banana's uh, parent plant, so the actual plant is an herb, but the fruit is in the berry family. So. Yeah, I thought it was weird, because like I've learned this in class um, before already, but it was like, strawberries are not a berry, but a banana is a berry. Yeah, it's so weird. So um, bananas are the world's most consumed fruit. And Walmart's number one single most sold item who sells 1 billion pounds annually. Think about that for a second. Walmart. Well, of that makes all sense, the things though. that they sell, they sell more bananas than anything else. Well, especially because of how... Um broad a range that they have like their stores are everywhere over. yeah so so the u.s alone eats three million tons of bananas each year and it is the fourth most valuable crop in the world behind wheat rice and milk wow not crazy 
I mean, if you think about it, you go to a grocery store, there's so many more bananas than there are of any other produce. No, that's true. And I guess like, I I guess I've never really thought about like how crucial bananas are to other countries as well. Like, Mm -hmm. um, but for the U.S. alone, that's a lot. Yeah. Three million tons each year. So is there an average of a person how much they eat i didn't look that up but i'm sure okay. we could just do a quick google and find out no i was just curious i'm, I'm equating it to the bacon so i want you to <laughs> do people eat more bacon or bananas bananas in the country um so like we said earlier bananas parent plant is an herb but the fruit is a berry and uh, there are about a thousand different varieties of bananas worldwide, but the most popular is the Cavendish, which we'll talk about a little bit more later. That's insane. Like, we we eat, like, probably three varieties. You probably eat one variety, the Cavendish. Okay. That's, if you go to a grocery store, every single one is a Cavendish. So it's just the ones that are, like, the basic yellow bananas that we get. Yep, if you just think of uh, those big yellow bananas that come in the bunches, typically with a Chiquita banana (laughs) sticker on them, uh, those are Cavendish or giant Cavendish uh, bananas. Sorry, I had to look it up. It is 27.83 pounds in 2019. That was the average per capita consumption of fresh bananas. In the U.S. or worldwide? Uh, In the U.S., 27.38 pounds. Yeah, that's wild. I eat more bacon than I eat bananas for sure. How much does one banana weigh about? Okay, that's fair. Because then you can see how many bananas that 27, let's say 28 pounds is. So a medium-sized banana is about 118. Grams. That is of zero help to me. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I I I deal with um, grams a lot more than you do. I'm sorry. Um, so that's about f- four ounces. I want to say. So that's what four pound a banana would be about sixteen ounces, right? Four bananas. Okay, so that's what I said. So yeah. four bananas. And then, so that's about a a little over a hundred bananas a year. So that's like a banana every three, four days. Yeah, I don't think I consume that many bananas. That that makes it sound a little bit better though. Oh, for sure. Like when you break down things, that is curious. Okay, sorry. I didn't mean to cut up on that. So. No worries. So uh, bananas were originally found in and around India and then were brought west by Arab conquerors in 327 BC. That makes sense, though, because they're a tropical or mm-hmm. area, whatever you want to call them now. Yeah. Um, and then after that, they were brought to Africa and eventually to the New World by the first explorers and missionaries to the Caribbean. Uh, mass production of bananas didn't start until 1834 and really pick up until the, about the late 1880s. So they've been around a long time. They've been kind of spread all over the world for a long time, but mass production didn't start until much later. So it's kind of like how we were talking about the pumpkins. They brought them over and it's just like they brought them and they started growing, but people didn't really care. 
care or do stuff with it um or make them into a business at least well yeah but that is interesting because i know that out of plants and like growing a banana tree or whatever it is technically called banana tree but how how easy was that for them to transport overseas and keep that fresh in order to like plant again like um well they kind of i don't i don't really have anything about this in my notes but i read that you know from spain you know some people brought over just like a little propagated plant and then they you know just start small but we'll get to a little bit more about that about like the sustainability of it and how it like what it requires to export bananas and stuff so i couldn't um, even fathom bringing a plant on a boat the day that i was like i'm gonna make sure this survives i'm well i want to make sure i don't die of scurvy (laughs) yeah no i mean if you think about it it's not like you're bringing a whole ass huge banana tree you know you can just be bringing like a tiny little propagation and you can be bringing a bunch of them you know to start your own grove or whatever they're called well what i'm saying is somebody with on top of that that's the most crucial point of their growing is if when sprouts are at that stage like especially when you transplant them they could get shock and they die so they were amazing to do that that's i don't know like pumpkin seeds i'm like oh yeah you just get pumpkin seeds but well the banana where is that seed coming from so pretty sure bananas have seeds inside of them yeah no they but i'm just saying the difference like you can easily find a pumpkin seed versus a a banana seed you know right yeah that's true so uh mass production started picked up in the late 1880s and that's about when the time that the united fruit company uh started how's that banana i just saw you take a swig your first swig of that banana beer how is it it doesn't really taste like banana it just tastes like like well it's banana bread so it's probably like got all those season you know like the spices and stuff too right yeah, I the style is a malted flavor beverage slash lager blend. It tastes like a lager to me. Mm, bummer. All right. So now we're going to kind of very, very briefly talk about the United Fruit Company. Just very briefly. So the United Fruit Company, they still exist today, correct? Yes, they, which we'll get, we'll get to that a little bit. Okay, I just, that's, that's all I want to know right now. They still exist today. Yes. So the United Fruit Company was formed in 1899. So again, very close to whenever that mass production of bananas began. And um, it started with, I don't know how to talk about this in a very like neutral way. Um, (laughs) Okay, so they wanted to compete with another fruit company called Standard Fruit Company, which later became Dole, <laughs> Dole Food Company. So United Fruit Company later becomes Chiquita Banana. Well, no, it's just Chiquita uh, Food Company or a rival the rivalry yeah you can't say that word <laughs> rivalry uh since yeah the 18 almost basically 1900 so before we get too much into that i want to talk quickly about um the banana massacres uh the banana massacres 
I'm going to read this just straight from Wikipedia um, because they had a really good just kind of quick synopsis on it. But uh, it says one quote, one of the most notorious strikes by the United Fruit Workers broke out on November 12th, 1928 near Santa Marta on the Caribbean coast of Colombia. On December 6th, Colombian army troops allegedly under the command of General Cortez Vargas opened fire on a crowd of strikers in the central square of Cienega. Uh, did I say that right? Cienaga. Cienaga. I, I'm sorry. Those are two words that I would have never thought to go together. Banana and a massacre. <laughs> I know. So you- estimates of the number of casualties vary uh, from 47 to 3,000. Quite a wide range, if you ask me. But uh, 47 people to 3,000? Correct. Um. The military justified this action by claiming that the strike was subversive and its organizers were communist revolutionaries. Blah, blah, blah. All right, Congressman uh, Jorge, I am gonna butcher this name. Congressman Jorge Gaitan uh, claimed that the army had acted under instructions from, guess who? United Fruit Company. Um, The ensuing scandal contributed to the president's uh, or sorry, President Miguel uh, Mendez's conservative party being voted out of office in 1930, putting an end to a 44 years of conservative rule in Colombia. Corporations don't mess with elections, though. No, not at all. Oh, so weird. So the owner, or I don't think it was the owner, but one of the heads of the United Fruit Company, now Chiquita Brands, uh, offered to marry the daughter of the Costa Rican president so that he could start buying up all the fruit companies in the country. They, oh, man he did it he for political doing. gain. He did it for financial gain. He did it for, yeah, he wanted, he wanted that monopoly, right? So in the 1950s, another quote, in the 1950s, when the freely elected government of Guatemala threatened fruit, United Fruits control, United Fruit convinced the CIA that an overthrow is in order. The CIA placed a right-wing dictator loyal to the United Fruit in power, securing United Fruit's position in Guatemala. So the CIA literally was like, yeah, we're going to get into this fruit business too and see what we can do. Well, keep in mind, United Fruit was an American company in Guatemala trying to take over all of these resources available in Guatemala. The CIA paired with that American company and said, yeah, we want things to just kind of... I get it. It's just so fucked. Yeah, they want to tinker with things the way that they do that. So another quote, um, this one is from... See, and my fun fact during the 50s was like, Elvis Presley really liked to eat bananas. That's what I have for you during the 50s while the CIA was ruining everybody else's. Yeah. So another quote from uh, umbc.edu is that under the Guatemalan rule, or sorry, under the Guatemalan dictator, Jorge Abico, the United Fruit Company gained control of 42% of Guatemala's land, and it was exempt from paying taxes and import duties. 77% of all Guatemalan exports went to the United States, and 65% of the imports to the country came from the United States. So is that still... This was when they 
when it first happened, I didn't check what it still is like now. Uh, things are definitely different now. There are a lot more trade, you know, trade agreements, blah, blah, blah. Oh, so, yeah. There's there's been a lot of like, you can't do that anymore. I'm sorry. So, honestly, I really wanted to go into a super deep dive of all this shit with the United Fruit, but I really think it needs to be its own episode because yeah. there is a lot and it's not just bananas, you know, so they have a lot going on. So you just told me that there's two conspiracy, like two main head fruit suppliers are still in contact or competitiveness today. Yep. That so we'll give a little an, taste of that late. Oh, that was yeah. just a little sneaky peek, huh? That's got to be an episode because I need to know yeah. all about this conspiracy, these craziness of these corporations and the people who are supplying us our fruit. Because yes. you know you all are buying Chiquita and Dole. Don't lie to yourself. That's like all that's available. So, all right. I'm going to stop with the United Fruits. I'm okay. going to move on. Uh, so, okay. in 327 BC, they were brought west by Arab conquerors. Now we're in the 1950s. So, okay. Um, at that point. They just spread around and did their thing with a normal They trade. are all over the world now. Like, I mean, just, I didn't put this in my notes, but um guatemala obviously has a quite a lot of bananas you know that they're exporting but they are not even close to being the leader in production um so so india is still the number one producer um and then china indonesia brazil ecuador philippines angola and then guatemala so there's a lot a lot of pump or a lot of pumpkins a lot of bananas um okay so now I'm just going to kind of pivot. We're putting a pause. Pivot! <laughs> pivot. Um, now I'm going to talk about banana's biggest enemy. Mold. <laughs> Your face. Okay, so. I've never seen a moldy banana. That's not what it's about. So, despite their popularity, bananas are in a crisis. A crisis. Your face is so concerned. Okay, so. First, we're going to talk about a you mold. You just said that they were like one of the world's leading crops. And you're telling me that they're like in crisis. Yep. We have enough crisis in the world already. They're in crisis because people don't give a shit that they're in crisis. So they're going to keep on keeping on. All right. So first, we're going to talk about a mold called, oh God, Fusarium. Fusarium. Okay. You did it right. I believe sure. you. Um, so it's also called Panama disease. Does it only come from Panama or are they being mean? Just let me get to it. I'm sorry. I'm so, in <laughs> there's so many questions. I have this episode. I can't even stop. So long time ago, a mold called, we'll call it Panama disease, hit the roots on a certain variety of bananas. I always want to call them the gross Michael, but they're the gross, gross Michael. G-R-O-S. No, and they're then, the gross Michael. <laughs> they're the gross Michaels. You know that Michael Scott would be so happy to be, I have a fruit named after me. Yeah, gross. Um, so I'm going to just read the little bit of a beginning of this from Wikipedia, but Panama disease is a plant disease that affects bananas. Um, it's a wilting disease that's caused by a fungus, and the pathogen is resistant to fungicides. 
I'm going to stop wilting there. Is, but No, but wilting is so bad for a plant. The minute you get that, you have to throw out the whole plant. Because and it's, it's resistant the- to fungicides. So you can't do anything about it. If it plant gets it, it's done. You cannot. And if it spreads, you're done. Right. So that was the first thing to kind of start wiping out a bunch of bananas. Second thing, in the 1920s, an airborne fungus called Sigatoga came and that is a it's spots on the leaves basically and it's um again very easily transferred can really just ruin a plant so it was first discovered in uh Sigatoga Valley in Fiji which is where that why it was named to that but during the next 40 years, it literally spread to all banana growing countries because I think that they just didn't realize that it was on it. And then they were, you know, exporting plants or exporting fruit or whatever. And it literally just spread everywhere. And in two years, so it first appeared in Central America in 1934. And in two years, just two years, destroyed more than 22,000 acres of bananas in Honduras. Again, I'm going to bring it back to people like with disease, you can see that happening with plants, especially plants that you're not really but they didn't know what to do. They didn't have no, that's anything what, for well, it. You know, well, that's what I'm saying though. Even if they didn't know that it was on the plant, they brought it over and they didn't really know what they were looking for. It right. wasn't like you look at a, you look at a plant and the plant's like, I'm sick, help me. No, <laughs> like sometimes. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. But that's totally what it is. It's just an infection of the leaves. You can't, like, you don't know exactly what it is. It could be anything. And then suddenly it's spreading. Like, I'm lucky today I can Google and be like, okay, why is this happening to my plant? And I can kind of figure it out. Back in the day, it was just... So in um, 1936, uh, they developed a, um, it's called the, uh, what is it called? Bordeaux mixture, I think. Let me just double check. Yeah, Bordeaux mixture. Um, So they crossbreeded? Which is, no, the Bordeaux mixture is a mixture of, copper and lime that was uh, developed to help fight that disease. Oh, okay. So they slowly kind of figured out something to put on there to be natural. And mm-hmm. okay. so, um, Sigatoga is like well controlled, um, in export plantations, uh, with different fungicides and stuff. So typically 25 to 35 fungicide applications are made annually on these plants. So this is what I'm trying to, like, I guess kind of, uh, what's the word, like drive home is in order to, you know, control some of these things, you have to heavily, heavily, heavily treat the plants because they're so susceptible. So I'm going to move really quickly to night in the 1950s, researchers in a lab developed a banana immune to the fusarium mold that hit those roots that once, you know, it's once it hits, it's done. They developed that and they called it the giant Cavendish. Oh, so that's where we get our bananas. Yeah. So these giant Cavendish bananas um, are now the variety that's dominated worldwide consumption. You know, like we said earlier, they're the ones that if you go into a grocery store, you will see the giant Cavendish bananas. Like that is what you see. They have been cloned so many times if you were to go to any grocery store anywhere in the world like 
you can go buy a banana from a supermarket in France and it will look exactly the same and taste exactly the same as a banana that you will buy at your local grocery store. Fun fact there, this is why people do not like banana flavoring because banana flavoring is not derived from the canned dish. It is derived by the gross Michael. Right, exactly. Yep, so it tastes different. Now hearing the way that kind of went through in history, that makes a lot more sense. It's yeah. It's not a variety that we have every day. So um, those Cavendish bananas were named after Duke William George Spencer Cavendish, who first propagated the plant in 1834 and named it. But um, that was, you know, obviously you have to start with some sort of plant in order to work on it. So um, bananas have been the product of engineering, you know, kind of trying to figure these things out in a lab by governments, corporations, militaries, whatever, for the last like 150 years. It's pretty crazy. So all I have left is to let you know that, um, how do I say this? The molds have mutated and they have now found a way to attack the Cavendish bananas. There's only so much genetically modifying we can do. So it's whether or not. So the root fungus is mutated. And if it can kill a Cavendish, they have been cloned so many times and their plants are so identical everywhere across the world that if it can kill one, it can literally wipe out every single one. And as you said, that's one of the greatest crops. Yeah, I was reading, uh, let me see if I can find it really quickly. I remember reading a long, long time ago, like when I first started all this research, like a year and a half ago, or a year ago, I read something about um, the fact, I, I can't find it, but there's like a date that they expect bananas to kind of go extinct. At least bananas in like the mass market kind of sense. There are always going to be, like I said, there are a thousand varieties. They're grouped into 50 different groups. And um, yeah, I mean, I think we just need to figure out a system of how to work that out a little bit better. Or if you have stocks in Chiquita, then get rid of them. I do have some fun facts, actually. I didn't think I would, but I do have some fun facts to throw in there. Let me hear you what you got. So, did you know that there is a banana festival? Of course there is. But they are on their 60th annual banana festival. <laughs> like, it's been going on from I Kentucky hate it. to Tennessee. Thanks, I hate so it. <laughs> yeah, Fulton, Kentucky and South Fulton, Tennessee had sponsors they had events they had banana eating competition i'm so grossed out i'm sorry that sounds a lot worse than okay actually bacon eating contest a thousand times over before that i'm well that's gonna get to my next because i was like that's not that bad but apparently because of the amount of potassium which i know you'll probably get into our nutrition segment but there was a rumor for a long time that bananas could kill you if you ate too many now the fatal dose in theory is 400 bananas please tell me nobody's even come close to that no you have to eat them at once 
because no, the in one amount, sitting, yeah, but if it's a no, competition, but it's because your intestines would also have to absorb all the potassium from the bananas in a instant. So then your kidneys were to a very effective at processing the potassium would immediately stop working because of the overcount. But there's no way that you can ingest that many bananas to the point where your intestines are just immediately absorbing absorbing it. Your blood sugar would just be spiking through the roof. Yeah, so well, I just thought that was funny. Now, bananas have always had a very interesting background in sexual education. Um, <laughs> I'm really hoping that's not today. I definitely oh, did see I a condom. Go- doubt it. Well, I definitely saw a condom go on a banana in high school, which was still not okay, but whatever. Um, and well, it's not. I'm sorry. I do think it's funny that sexual education uh, used bananas as this prop because bananas literally increase your libido. They also reverse the impotence in men. So like their whole thing about like put That's a- the those are the participants of that banana eating competition. They want to <laughs> get laid that night. I just thought it was very interesting. <gasps> so I know we really didn't get onto this as well. Um, there are different, like I knew so there's different types, but that's where like the plantain comes in and stuff like that. Oh yeah, I'm not um, naming all more thousand con- varieties, so. No, when the plantain's considered more of a cooking fruit and stuff, or cooking, yeah. Um, yeah, they're not taste, they don't taste as good um, by them, like just raw. They really need to be cooked in order to be enjoyable. Um, but if you do kind of want to learn more about like how many different bananas there are and just stuff like that, um, there is an international banana museum in Mecca, California. Oh. Um, what is yeah. wrong with people? Who knows? But it has over um, some 25,000 banana-related picture- items and pictures. Um, wow. People really like bananas. Like, I even found a, a company that is called bananaproducts.com and they make gross i hope it's not like no they make cleaning products and make safety products face masks gloves disinfectant wipes but like their mop signs and stuff they look like banana peels (laughs) like their whole thing you're gonna say they were like banana scented masks and like banana scented cleaning products and like that's what i thought you were gonna say honestly they might be who knows i'm about to send you this i'm sending this link in the chat real quick um because like you look at their website and you just see okay now they're just regular masks yeah it's just ppe yeah but like if you scroll down to their normal thing you can see they're like banana looking cones and stuff for our award-winning banana cone they're proud of it they are why are they called okay it's funny it actually looks great isn't it kind of but like that's not it like I, i know that's a weird banana product but they used to have banana they used to have banana sodas they used to have 
ham and banana hollandaise sauce. Wait, really quickly before we move on. Banana Products um, is based out of Austin, Texas, and is a family-owned and is family-owned and operated. The Banana Cone was originally inspired by the popular Nintendo 64 game Mario Kart and has become an industry favorite. The internationally Ooh. patented and trademarked design has won multiple awards and is recommended by safety experts for fall prevention. It catches your eye and the award or and the warning message is inherent in the shape of the cone, specifically focusing on floor safety. Banana products promotes health, safety, and humor. Go so stand out from the bunch and go bananas for safety. Sorry, that's really funny. I had to look at their about. No, that's really funny because I, I just it was I was clicking through and I saw that, but like Oh, yeah. Like you think of Mario Kart and you're like, yeah, I'm going to slip on the floor. That's what that means. Banning out pill means I'm going to slip. Yeah. All right. You want to take a quick break? That is fine. I know we went on a downward spiral or, <laughs> you know, we went down the rabbit hole on that one a little bit. Sure so. did. But we'll come back and we'll do um, some nutrition info and some recipes. And we're back. Now we're going to get into some nutrition. Yeah, leave that nutrition on me. I just have the real, real basics. So bananas are a healthy source of fiber, potassium, vitamin B6, vitamin C, a bunch of antioxidants, phytonutrients, all that good stuff. So uh, one medium-sized banana is going to have about 89 calories. Um with 1.1 gram of proteins, 22, eh, 23 grams of carbs, 12 grams of sugar, two grams of fiber. Yeah, that's it. Um, so I guess what I've always, we've brought this up a little a few times already in the episode, but potassium, like that's like you said, you, you get a leg cramp, they're like, eat a banana, it's good for you. And it's like, yeah, I hurt banana is not gonna make me feel better so like I know in the long run it does but I'm just curious on what potassium really gives to a person or um I don't know like can you be harmed like I literally said that if you eat too many bananas the potassium level is too crazy so it's obviously but you can't OD on it like you said um oh I know like I said that was insane to metabolize but obviously yeah it just helps you like regulate fluid balance um muscle contractions your nerve signals uh helps reduce blood pressure helps your water retention so if you have too much that's when you okay I get why people were like okay that it does this and it regulates your blood. Like if you get too regulated and you controls too much water absorption or whatever, how does that work? Yeah, it okay. just can go to the extreme. So um, the muscle contractions and nerve signals and stuff like that. That's why people say uh, it helps cramps is those, you know, muscles. Um, yeah, I mean, it has a bunch of other stuff too. It has dopamine in it, but it's not the type of dopamine that goes to your brain. It just so, acts as an antioxidant. It doesn't help like your dopamine levels in your brain or anything. But I also heard that bananas are supposed to help you sleep. Oh, um, interesting. I wonder. Yeah. Um. I'll 
I'll have to look it up real quick just because it was it part could of probably my... just be a blood sugar regulation thing there are a lot of people that wake up in the middle of the night uh because their body is kind of alerting them like hey you're starving because their blood sugar is too low uh, a lot of people with like insomnia and stuff okay so i had a look okay so um bananas have contain a few nutrients that may enhance sleep and relaxation so they have magnesium Mm, that makes sense i guess it also has tritopapine which is an amino acid but i guess the tritopapine improves sleep um so Mm. i guess it's something in it i just i i saw that was doing fun facts and stuff because i i have insomnia and it was like bananas help insomnia so i was like we'll see about that but (laughs) yeah they're a good source of you know carbs which help your brain function uh, they've got good fiber, helps digestive issues, helps, uh, you know, the vitamin uh, B6, you know, that's good. High levels, potassium, vitamin C. The longer that they sit, I know people feel like it's really weird, but once they get brown, that's that is sweeter. Weird. Yes. All of the starches are breaking down and bringing out the sugars. And that's when you use them for banana bread. Like speaking of banana want... bread, what are our recipes? Okay. Do you have banana bread as a recipe? No. Okay. Okay. That banana bread will... is like one of the few things. I mean, I'm allergic to banana, so I can't have it. But banana bread was one of the few things that I actually would really eat if I that involved bananas. Years ago for Thanksgiving. I was making you banana made bread. the best banana bread. Yeah, I will post banana bread recipe because people like banana bread. What I did was a recipe that I found years ago to the point where my dad was obsessed. They're oh, my, bana- my banana muffins. Yep. Dad loves to- them. Technically, the recipe I found said that they're banana cupcakes. Yeah, I don't put anything on them. They're banana muffins. They are delicious. Our savory recipe. Oh, okay. And I found this recipe from foodandwine.com. Mm-hmm. I like Which them. was a chicken with banana curry sauce. Oh, interesting. I love curry. So you get your banana, you get your curry powder, coriander, dried mustard, you know, you mix it all together, lime juice, you get salt, pepper, chicken breast. Um, I think that just because I've done curry myself, I'll probably try to tweak this recipe and add like red peppers and some other veggies in it to see how it comes oh, out. Oh yeah, peppers would be really good in that. Oh, red peppers are good in anything, but I can understand how you can mellow the sweetness of a banana with the curry powder to kind of yeah 
So many cool things. I'm so excited. So on that note, um, you can find us on Instagram and TikTok at Eat Me Drink Me Podcast, on Twitter at Eat Me Drink Me Pod. You can email us at Eat Me Drink Me Podcast at gmail.com if you have any sort of topic ideas or anything. Tell and- us your allergic reaction stories. Oh my God, yes, please. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm super morbid and I want to know what people. I'm sorry. Yeah, people when we so- get to pineapple, I have a, a story for you. Oh, when we get to apples, I have a story for you. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, see you next time. And thanks for joining us. Don't forget. Don't cook bacon naked. Bye-bye. (laughs) Bye-bye.